look, you made it past the pro wrestling, around the basketball, didn't get distracted by the Rick and Morty memes, and here you are inside Micah Frankel's cage mind, an MMA crazed place. The talk of the topic of today. It's new news. It's old news. It's back in the news. It's relevant to the news. Habib Nurmagomedov is officially retired from MMA and the UFC. Well, wasn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? I, I swear I saw that happen back in October. I can remember it like a dream. He cements Justin Gaethje and in a heartfelt addressal of the audience in attendance and to the streaming internet at UFC 254, Habib Nurmagomedov emotionally announced his retirement from MMA. I swear that's where we were. But then again, there was the responses. And the response from Dana White was almost like he lost a loved one. Almost like he was going through the grieving process. And that process led to a lot of negotiating, a lot of trying, many dinners with loved ones, reminiscing about good old times, and attempts to try to make a future that Dana wanted to have happen come true. The hopes of rematches, the hopes of the biggest fight of all time. Not of MMA history, not of boxing history, but just the biggest fight of all time. Because we know Dana wants to make that. It took a while. It took some dinners. It took many, many meetings. It took so many meetings that I thought Nurmagomedov was trying to negotiate the release of a hostage. Himself, his own hostage, trying to relinquish himself from the chains of servitude to the UFC. And it sounds like a horrendous image, but it was prolonged so much as Dana, in his words, said, we had to wait to see how things played out. And Nurmagomedov, as true to his words, things had already played out to him. You gotta love him, or at least I love Nurmagomedov. At least, because he keeps it 100. And I mean, he keeps it 100. Sitting down with Megan Olivier after UFC Fight Night Brunson vs. Holland, where it becomes news once again that Nurmagomedov is retired. Again, like I said, now it's new news, but that was old news. But now Dana White is adding his spin to the news. And they asked Nurmagomedov, Olivier does, why now reaffirm that you're retired? Why now? What was it? He was already retired. Nurmagomedov had already made this proclamation. He had already finished his MMA career. He had already said his goodbyes to weight cutting, to defending the UFC title. He was happy at 29-0, even though his father's goal and his was 30-0. The untimely passing of his father from COVID-19. Not to mention trying camps. Plethoras of injuries. A lot of this compounded into the decision to retire early. And Dana White, Nurmagomedov, we're all saying it's early. We know it's early. And Dana White's response, as I said, was to try to get Nurmagomedov to come back to for one more fight. It's that 
Christian, if you know the pro wrestler Christian Cage now with AEW, was with WWE. His last stint with WWE, his catchphrase was one more match. Trying to get the WWE World Heavyweight title was one more match. And Dana's there telling Norman Gamedov, 30-0, one more match. And in the end, Nurmagomedov is not coming back for one more match. Dana White saw the opportunity with Nurmagomedov, a rematch with McGregor, a rematch with Poirier, as a possibility for one of the biggest fights of all time, in a very lucrative fight. The thought becomes, is Nurmagomedov not into making money? Nurmagomedov has plans to make money. Not just that he's coaching several fighters in the UFC, trying to take over for the enormous spot to be filled left by his father in coaching MMA fighters, but also has looked into opening a coffee shop, and who knows how big that could be, um, looking into having his own farm, I believe has already been purchased, not to mention we're talking about a guy who's also talk, who's also launching his own mobile carrier, carrier Eagle Mobile, uh, Eagle FC, his own MMA promotion that he wants to be a feeder for the Middle East and for Dagestan to the UFC, trying to get a contract done with UFC Fight Pass. So still very much a part of the UFC, a part of MMA, and very much appreciative and has a lot of appreciation, respect for what Dana White and the UFC have done for MMA. Not just for MMA, but for him, his family. He said, my father spoke of how you're a great man and my children will know of how you are a great man so a lot of praise being thrown from Nurmagomedov to Dana White and Dana White finally reluctantly does go ahead with the retirement and that response took a long time because if you're Dana White you didn't want to lose out on the world title fight. If you're Dana White, you're trying to see how things are playing out. If you're Dana White, you understand where the most lucrative opportunities are. If you're Dana White, you haven't seen many fighters walk away on top. And personally, that's one of the parts of the story that I am most fascinated with and most love about it. We talk about the greatest lightweight of all time. Nurmagomedov has that locked up, even though he's just tied in championship wins with Benson Henderson. Benson Henderson does not look the same since going over to Bellator, his losses to Michael Chandler, his losses to Anthony Pettis. There were certain fighters he couldn't get past, and that deterred the argument from being Henderson. We all remember prime BJ Penn, but again, BJ hung, hung around too long. We saw BJ get exposed against Frankie Edgar in that second fight. We not We didn't see a consistent dominance like you saw that bewilderment and look of just discouraged in the eyes of Gaethje and Connor and Poirier for that matter when they were all submitted by Nurmagomedov. It was a different level of dominance that gives you the greatest lightweight of all time in Abib Nurmagomedov. So you can understand with that kind of Dominance, that kind of person. You have that kind of persona that he has because he is a global icon that you can understand the lucrative, the amount of money, the financial incentives that Dana White would have to want to keep 
Nurmagomedov around and have him fight that one more fight. That is an adequate response. It's the response you would expect. It makes a lot of sense how Dana White played his cards and Nurmagomedov kept it 100 and never wavered from his position. And now you see the amicable split that has happened with the UFC understanding Nurmagomedov is transitioning towards retirement and towards being a coach. And like we said, this took several business meetings, hostage negotiations. We understand Dana White's response. Now, other people, his peers, Nurmagomedov's peers, they took to social media to respond. And their responses were staying in character. Now, the responses that I saw, it, it one thing that took my eye, caught my eye. There was a picture that I found that mentioned the greatest champions in UFC history. And we start with John Jones, 14 title victories, 13 for GSP, 12 for DJ, 11 for Silva, Aldo with 8, Stipe with 6, 4 for Nurmagomedov. You saw out there a tweet from John Jones where John Jones says, Dude claims to be the best MMA fighter ever with a third of an MMA game. game. Arrogance at its finest. I swear it will make you blind. Conor McGregor, 8 KOs across 30 fights, 0 power. Don't forget it, Teddy Bear. Not to mention, that was on Twitter, on Instagram. You have the old photo, infamously, that we've seen after Conor McGregor's fight in Ireland where Nurmagomedov was there when this was obviously the first victory for Conor over Poirier. Nurmagomedov that, and backstage, him and Conor embraced, took a photo for social media. Conor reshares it with, happy retirement, kid. Smell you later. Never forget who came in the game and made you straight from my big Irish balls. Remember, folks, if you hate cutting weight so much, all you have to do is move up a division. God bless. The responses are adequate. The responses are what you expected. And the responses are right in character from two guys who are playing characters just like in the WWE. I'll even tell you which characters they are. Conor McGregor, obviously, he's styling, he's profiling, he's jet-flying, limousine-riding, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, son-of-a-gun, woo! Just like Ric Flair. That one works, right? And on the other side, you have... John Jones, because we understand Conor McGregor is playing a role of Ric Flair, a character that he has crafted and perfected. Being able to mimic Conor McGregor, Conor McGregor has perfected being able to mimic Ric Flair to a T. 
got that character right like nobody has ever done. Chow Sonnen was close. Chow Sonnen was very close. But the notorious Conor McGregor with the glasses, the bravado, the swag, the charisma. He hit it on a tee and took it to another level. The likes of which MMA never saw that kind of character. And it took MMA just to another stratosphere. And that was great. Now, John Jones was a young, dominant champion. who's kind of transition character. So I didn't know what wrestling character he was. And I'm going to pull back the curtain. I messaged my friend Michael Carlisle, host of the Sports Bar on 610 KML 95.9 FM. That I also have a show with on the mic with Mike Adams on Saturdays, 11 to 1. Well, I asked my fellow pro wrestling fan friend, Michael Carlisle, who he would compare John Jones to. And he sent me black back Telly Blanchard. And I said, Telly, oh, so you think because, well, he'd be more technically proficient and more skilled than Connor, Ric Flair, but not as charismatic and just not as good on the microphone. He said, exactly. I said, well, try this one on for size. I was thinking that John, who was a little bit harder for me to put my finger on, was Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, Steve Austin. Not Broken Skull Sessions. Not the guy that you've seen on TV shows and reality shows. Not the guy making money off his persona now. But the guy back then from his WWE days. You have to think about it and remember, Steve Austin was in WCW. He was a Hollywood blonde. He went through many different periods and phases in that company. Then went to WWF. It was first called a character called the Ringmaster before transforming into Stone Cold, winning the King of the Ring and giving us the infamous promo. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold says so. If nothing else, you have to give... Daniel Cormier, credit, because he is the one that bring out that true heel in John Jones. John Jones was a almost holier-than-now, felt like, choir boy, about to be following Anthony Pettis' trajectory to the Wheaties box, Gatorade, Nike, looked like he was going to be the Michael Jordan of MMA, still a pretty clean-cut image. And he dirtied it up. He musted it up. And now, because of that hated rival that brought it out of him, the way that Vince McMahon was able to capture and bring something out of Austin in that rival-esque sense is what Daniel Cormier was able to do with what we now know as a vulgar, arrogant, confident, almost demeaning sometimes, John Jones, who fully embraces just wanting to be great and make money. That is a stone-cold Steve Austin, if I ever heard one, when he was at his peak of being stone-cold Steve Austin, flipping people off and just doing what he had to do to get his. So I feel like those responses were in line with their characters. Connor had to attack because Connor, in that post... Said it. If you're tired of cutting weight, there's other ways. He refers to himself. He's went to 70, 45. Doesn't really want to cut to 45 anymore. Now he's at 55. 
It also shows the scorn that there was an opportunity for us to make money together. And as much as Dana lost out, Connor knows he lost out on a huge payday too. So there's scorn. There's anger. You can see why he's mourning this retirement. And for John Jones, you can totally understand why he needed to make an attack to go on the offensive. You can't go on the defensive, especially when you know the conversation is lurking around the corner. I already said it earlier. Nurmagomedov, the greatest lightweight of all time. Somebody was going to bring it up. Where does he fit just in the straight-up GOAT conversation? Is he the greatest MMA fighter of all time? And 29-0, something that we haven't seen. It's not like in boxing where you see guys 50, 60. I think I've heard all the way up to Julio Cesar Chavez, 89-0 before his first defeat, talking about a ridiculous lineage of success. But 29-0, something that we haven't seen, especially considering the nine-year run that Nurmagomedov had in the UFC. We get into the GOAT conversation, and we need to because John's the one that was bringing it up. Already understand that Nurmagomedov, like I said, was the lightweight GOAT. 13-0 in the UFC, over nine years, 4-0 in championship fights, one cancellation from a bad weight cut. Three from injuries, knees, ribs, and those are the detractors. Nurmagomedov was injury pro. Nurmagomedov pulled out a fight. Ferguson pulled out as many fights due to injury as Nurmagomedov did, even though Nurmagomedov had the one weight cut. There's a lot of guys that have pulled out of fights. John Jones has missed fights due to a torn meniscus, and not to mention UFC 200 with the PED issue and... UFC 214 being erased from the books from the PED issue. John Jones has one loss on his record. That is one more loss than Nurmagomedov. And no, he did not lose the fight, but he broke the rules. Even though a 12-6 to 6 elbow, we know it should not be a rule. It is a rule. And as Aljamain Sterling has pointed out, professional MMA fighters should know the rules. So even though Matt Hamill got it, what most people would feel is an undeserved disqualification victory, it's still a disqualification victory and disqualification loss. It's one more loss than what Nurmagomedov has had, and he has two more positive PED tests and issues than what Nurmagomedov has had. And that's where the John Jones-Nurmagomedov issue kind of starts to split hairs. Is John Jones a better striker? Yes. Has he had a longer title reign? Yes. Has he had a more illustrious title reign? Did he beat a better list of legends, a better competition and you think about Shogun, Machida, Rampage, Rashad Evans, Vitor Belfort, Chal Sutton, you can go on with the list, Alexander Gustafson, Daniel Cormier. You're like, of course John Jones beat tougher competition. Whereas Nurmagomedov, you're like, yeah, he beat RDA, Connor, Gaethje, employee. But again, it was the error in which he left them looking so helpless that cannot leave me that seeing Nurmagomedov's grappling, well, he was one-dimensional. Well, the TKOs basically came from ground and pound. It was so dominant to see such helplessness from such world-class athletes that it's hard to not be impressed and to not give an overwhelming amount of praise for what Nurmagomedov accomplished. 
bring GSP into the argument because DJ, well, he is the flyweight goat, not the bantamweight goat. Lost to Dominic Cruz. Dominic Cruz losing to Cody Garbrandt, not looking the same due to injuries. He's out. Aldo, if Aldo would have retired early before getting knocked out by Conor McGregor, even if he would have retired after beating Frankie Edgar a second time, maybe he'd still be in this conversation. But after losing to Conor and getting drummed up twice by Holloway, you may be the greatest featherweight of all time. But not in the GOAT conversation, so we're gonna, oh, and Anderson Silva, we all love you, but you did way too much bad to your lineage, to your legacy on the downslide of your career to not be in this conversation. That leaves us to Georgia St. Pierre. He did win championships in two divisions. It did take a trilogy to definitively get past Matt Hughes. And he did suffer the biggest upset in UFC history, losing to Matt Sarah, even though he did get that win back and went on a tear after reclaiming the welterweight title. It bears to remember that GSP came up in a different UFC. Two victories to get his first title shot. Five more after that to get his second before he went on a tear defending the title and obviously riding that legendary title reign in the welterweight division, crushing everybody. But that was his second title reign after losing to Matt Sarah. So you saw that GSP had to have three different cracks at the title to become GSP. Well, Nurmagomedov was just dominant. When you think about those early victories for John Jones, people talk about the steroid era and how do we know about John Jones before USADA came into play? I would have to say it's as simple as this. We don't know about anybody before USADA came into play, so I assume that was an even playing field because we've learned by now that the true villains in all this have been the supplement companies, and the supplement companies were the ones hiding a lot of ingredients from the athletes there was a reason why the athletes looked different and they didn't even understand why they're just taking what they're supposed to supplement wise it was the supplement companies so john jones is excused from everything until ufc 200 that pulls him back a little bit we saw gsp lose twice well we saw norma gamedov just be dominant it's up to you guys i don't think that he's actually going to ever win that Goat argument because, like I said, John Jones is a better striker. John Jones was a more diverse finisher. John Jones has beat a tougher level of competition. But the dominance displayed in that three fight set is almost undeniable, unconceivable, and I fail to believe will ever be matched again. So the responses from everybody exactly what they should be. Nurmagomedov has kept it 100. And has not responded at all because it is beneath him. Because he's only worried about making Islam Makachev, Usman Nurmagomedov, Usman Nurmagomedov, and the plethora of fighters under his umbrella. Not to mention who he believes will become the next lightweight champion of the world, Islam Makachev, making them better fighters. And he's caring about business. John Jones, almost in that stone cold. Steve Austin motif. 
He was hardcore FU. And now he's starting to get to that Stone Cold Steve Austin. That what? What? You guys remember that Steve Austin to the annoying Steve Austin. But he's still staying in that Steve Austin character. Well, Conor McGregor is still woo staying Ric Flair. So they're all keeping in character. Now we go back to the response of Dana White. And Dana White fully had to let things play out. And this is where the response fully had to be seen. The response to everything. Because we know financially the biggest fights to make would have been Nurmagomedov, Poirier, Nurmagomedov, McGregor rematches. Poirier beat McGregor. That means he advances. Nurmagomedov, I mean McGregor. McGregor, excuse me, is still the biggest financial piece on the map. And that means you do not pass go. You do not collect $200 because that's chump change compared to the millions you can make in a trilogy fight. Dustin Poirier passes on the title. We now have a trilogy fight that looks like it's a bound for July. McGregor, Poirier, three. And you would expect the winner of the trilogy would then move on to fight for the title and to try to take it away from the champion, who will be decided at UFC 262 in Houston, Texas, as Michael Chandler, off of his spectacular debut knockout of Dan Hooker, faces Charles Oliveira, who's on an eight-fight win streak, the most submission wins in UFC history. Either one of those guys would have also been a viable option to fight Nurmagomedov. And unlike McGregor and Poirier, neither one of them has fought Nurmagomedov before. But you got to understand that that wouldn't have been a logical response for Dana White to make that fight. Because Dana White would have had to up the ante, up the money in the pot to bring Nurmagomedov back. And you are not going to get that kind of money Back, You are not going to generate that kind of revenue selling Oliveira Nurmagomedov or even selling Chandler Nurmagomedov, even though they are both exciting, even though they both really do deserve to fight for this title, it wouldn't have sold. And even though it would have made the most sense to go Poirier Oliveira for this title, the allure of that pot of gold from fighting McGregor, you cannot blame Dustin Poirier for wanting that pot one more time. And really earning every time. No gambler walks away from the table while they're hot. Employee is not walking away from that opportunity. Well, on the other hand, Charles Dobronx Oliveira. Dobronx, translating to the ghetto. The kid has come from the slums and the favelas of Brazil. And now to be in, the oppor- in a place to have the opportunity to win the world title. Well, you're already living in Houston, Texas. Living a life that you never dreamed you could. The world title has always been the ultimate goal. And I understand why he's going for it. Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler is here for a good time, not for a long time. And he was easily able to assess that the pieces on the board say you make a little bit more money from Oliveira than you do from Gaethje. And you definitely position yourself in a much better position being the UFC champion. So it's a fond farewell voyage to the fight career of Habib Nurmagomedov as he goes into retirement Everybody is dealing with it, coping with it in their own ways. You will still see Nurmagomedov, Octagon side. Maybe he'll be next to Damon White illegally streaming fights, even though that's a big deal. Illegal streamer right next to Dana White, not caught by the FBI. But Dana allowed him to, so it's no big deal. I mean, it's a big deal if it's a big deal, but it's not a big deal if it's not a big deal. Is that new news? 
Or is that old news? The news, though, like we said, there will be a new lightweight champion crown and that the UFC is moving forward with the McGregor-Poyer trilogy. And that's what's going on inside of my caged mind. If you'd be so inclined, please like this episode, share this episode, and if you could, subscribe to the podcast, Micah Frankel's Caged Mind. Also, if you could, on the internet, go check out cageminds.com. Keep up with Cage Minds on social media. It's Cage Minds Combat Sports News on Facebook. It's at Cage Minds MMA on Twitter, and it's at Cage Minds underscore CSN for Combat Sports News on Instagram. On YouTube, the channel is Cage Minds MMA Show. And like I said, also check me out every Saturday on the mic with Mike Adams. That's 95.9 FM and AM 610, The Sports Animal in Albuquerque, New Mexico, or abqsportsanimal.com on the internet to listen live and at any time. Thanks for listening.